Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Hey, everybody. Dave Hodges here, host of The Common Sense Show. We are the show that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a special guest with us today. His name is Guy Mitchell, and we're going to talk about the green cult, as we like to call it here on The Common Sense Show, and we're going to talk about uh, climate change, uh, the uh, lack of science, uh, the ideology over science, and uh, it's... It's getting worse, folks, and it's going to cause people to starve to death and freeze to death in Europe, and it may be coming to America. So hang on, because we're going to be getting the guy in just a minute. But first, I need to let you know, uh, I agree with Dane Wigington when he says, in a short while, the only food you may have access to is the food in your home. And we have transportation issues. Congress thinks they've resolved the railroad strike. Think again. I've heard from the guys this morning. They say they can make all the orders they want. They're not going to obey. And uh, things can get dicey. So i got to say, get your storable food now. Three-month special on sale for $250 off. Uh, food tastes good. Lots of diversity in the food. And also you get 2,000 calories per day, which is good because you're eating to survive 25-year shelf life. Go to foodwithdave.com. That's foodwithdave.com. And if you have food, you better have water. And one of the things I'm concerned about are roving blackouts. And we're going to touch on that with Guy and, and the roving blackouts, how long are they going to be blacked out? And if it goes on real long, you may have to scavenge for water. Do you have good, good water filtration? Well, we have it for you if you don't. Go to waterwithdave.com and look at the Alexa Pure Pro water filter. Look at the research. They're number one in the field for independent testing. And they, too, have a sale. Go to water with dave.com so that's foodwithdave.com waterwithdave.com those are your two basic needs so you can stay independent of any catastrophe and then finally if you have a nest egg to protect and you can see the theme here noble gold is where you go and it's not just about buying gold folks they can protect your ira your 401k they have a whole variety of programs and you are talking to a customer of noble gold as well the best thing to do is to get a free packet sent to you they won't call you you'll look at it and say i got to do this and you'll have to call them but go to the internet after this show and put in goldbeforelate.com goldbeforelate.com and they'll send you a full packet saying here's how we can help you preserve your nest egg in these very volatile economic times well we honored to have guy mitchell with us uh like my my dad was part mechanical part electrical engineer in his career so i have an affinity for engineers i know how hard they work how well they're educated and guy has a very very impressive resume here and whoops my screen just went blank here we go he is a member of pi tau sigma uh international honor society for mechanical engineers and he was elected to be on the distinguished engineering fellow by the college of engineering at the university of alabama in 1995 he has a book and we'll be talking about it before we get off the air so you know how to get a copy it's called global warming the great deception great title the triumph of dollars over politics over science and boy is that ever true and he concludes it by saying why you should care. Yeah, you may not be affected today, but I agree with the premise of this title greatly. And he explains to me what he thinks is the flawed claims in global warming caused by human activity. Yeah, and we'll be injecting a lot of common sense as well as science into this argument, I'm sure. Guy, welcome to the show. First time on the show. We're really glad you're here. And this is a very important topic because my belief, guys, we're being impoverished as a nation. You can't take energy away from an energy nation and not have serious ramifications. And we're sacrificing our, our present and our future 
on fake science. Well, I couldn't agree more, Dave. Thank you for having me on the program. Sure. I, you know, it's been generally accepted for many years that the standard that that the standard of living of a of a nation uh, is directly proportional to the per capita energy consumption. Everything else being constant. I mean, there there are some uh, oil rich countries in the Middle East, uh, the Benelux countries that benefit economically from, you know, being banking, banking havens and uh, mm -hmm. trap. But but the bottom line is is that <clears throat> the standard of living of the people in a country is is directly proportional to their per capita energy consumption and to the extent that you reduce the amount of energy that people can consume to heat their homes to cool their homes uh to power uh industry uh hospitals water plants you name it uh it has a direct effect on the standard of living Oh, well, there's no question. And, and we're, we're getting destroyed right now. Real income is the figure, and the government never talks about that. Um, you've, you've made some interesting points geographically that I have made on my show, uh, and I'd like you to comment on them here. And in regard to Europe's power struggles and how it's affecting the U.S., and what I'm concerned about is the impact on New England. I, I'm getting emails from people in New England that listen to our show, and they're fixed income. Some live on $1,200 a month, and they're saying to me, I'm making decisions whether to eat or heat, and my home is like an igloo. Do you want to comment on that? Yes. You know, the, the, the independent grid operator, the grid operator for New England uh, announced earlier this year in the summer that the possibility of either rolling blackouts or blackouts for a longer period of time uh, <clears throat> could be realized in the New England area. Uh, one of the reasons, well, there are two reasons. Uh, number one, uh, <clears throat> the price. Hello, Guy, did I lose you? You just went dead on me. I don't know if you can hear me or not, but uh, um, hello? Well, ladies and gentlemen, we hit our first snag. Uh, <laughs> this wouldn't be the first time we were interfered with, and maybe it's just a technical glitch, but, boy, it happens at key times, doesn't it? Um, I'm going to disconnect and try to hook back up with Guy. Stay right with us. Well, we're going to try this again, Guy. I, I got to say, okay. I got to say, Sorry. yeah, listen, we've had anomalies happen. I was interviewing an ex-DHS officer, uh, and we had the theme from the NFL piped into our broadcast. So, <laughs> so you know, we, we've run into some things, and, and we're in the forbidden zone. Like, if we took this topic and put it on one of the social medias, we, we'd get banned. So uh, yeah. you were talking about New England and the grid operator, right. and go ahead and pick it up from there, please. Okay. Well, <clears throat> with respect to concerns about people in New England and the reliability of their their electric power, uh, there are issues that impact that. Number one, uh, utilities in New England depend heavily on burning natural gas to generate electricity, mm -hmm. and that and and the market price because of the issues with uh, the embargo on Russian oil and gas. Uh, the EU being forced to go find other sources of natural gas, which have driven the price up. Uh, we're now seeing market prices that are three times what they were 12 months ago. So the cost is going to go up. The other issue is, is that, and it's really not funny, that the shortage of diesel fuel or, or, or the, is creating a problem because, uh, Heating oil and diesel fuel are, are fungible commodities. I mean, you can use diesel fuel uh, to burn, uh, you know, to heat a home, to uh, operate a home heating furnace in New England. And so people are trying or scrounging around. You've got competition between people that can't get home heating fuel and are trying to buy diesel fuel and truckers that can't get diesel fuel and trying to buy diesel fuel. So... It's a real problem, and uh, I, I, I hope that it 
doesn't play out in the worst scenario, but but certainly I think that uh, in the in the Northeast blackouts are very likely. The the Midwest, the 14 state operator Meso in and uh, surrounding the Michigan area announced earlier this year in May that with the with the closure of the Palisades nuclear facility, they now were going to have a deficit of supply versus demand. And uh, that facility was closed at the behest of uh, environmentalists. And so now they have a situation where they are warning that there could be potential blackouts, rolling blackouts and blackouts for longer periods because they have insufficient capacity. And the same thing's happening in the Western Regional Operator. They're, you know, because of the demands in California, and by the way, California imports about one-third of their electricity from surrounding states, the the Western Grid Operator is announcing that there may be some shortages. And so as these coal-fired f- facilities primarily have been closed and, 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 and several <laughs> several grid operators have been forced to to, to shutter nuclear facilities, which makes no sense because they don't have any carbon emissions. You're, 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 we're, we're running the risk of uh, uh, putting our power grid in a, in, a, in, a, in a very precarious position. Yeah, kind of a nationwide uh, uh, trip back to time with the Texas power outage from those ice storms. Uh, we saw the devastation of what it goes on for any length of time, that's for sure. In fact, actually... In your book, Dr. Roy Clark made a point, and I, and I want to read you the quote here and have you respond to it for the audience. When will you when will you be forced into energy poverty where you must choose between food or winter heat for your house? The 21, 2021 winter power failures in Texas are just a foretaste of what lies ahead. And I couldn't agree with you more. Do, do you want to expand on that statement? I'd love to, and I give all the credit to Roy Clark, who's a brilliant man. If I may give you a little background, when I began my investigation into what I view now as as fraudulent global warming hypothesis uh, over five years ago, I began reading research and uh, reading scientific peer-reviewed public research on the subject and one of the articles, one of the papers that I read was called A Null Hypothesis for CO2. It was written by Roy Clark, and I, it caused me to contact him. He lives in California, and he's a, uh, an Englishman. He has a, uh, uh, a master's in chemical physics from Oxford and a Ph.D. from Sussex, so he's very well educated, a brilliant guy. And what I find interesting, I reread that quote in the forward that he wrote for my book. And, you know, it's prescient. If you look at what's happening in, in, in Europe now, in England, but, but, but all throughout the EU, you see the rising energy costs as a, re, as a result of the decision more than 30 years ago to phase out nuclear power, I mean, phase out coal fired power and increase the consumption of Russian gas to power electric generator uh, facilities, with the exception of France, is primarily nuclear. It, now, all of a sudden, they're facing the same problem New England has. And, I mean, it is an economic, it's an issue of economic deprivation for many older people on fixed income. And, and actually... Having to choose between heat and food sounds like an extreme uh, 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 comment, but unfortunately, it seems like that is what many residents in the European Union could be faced with this this winter. It's true. In fact, I don't know if you've seen this or not, and I don't recall the official's name, but an official of the UK government came out about two months ago and said they expect 10,000 people to die this winter that might not otherwise die because of their energy shortages and what's going to happen in the winter. Did you see that? I did not see that. But, you know, the, 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 it's, it's, of course, it's hard to know. 
what will happen. But, you know, keep in mind that when you have an energy shortage, when you, when you have a blackout, when you have rolling blackouts, but when you have a sustained blackout for, for several days, for example, think about the facilities that such a blackout affects. First of all, obviously it affects residences, and if it occurs in the wrong time of the year, you've got potential for extreme cold or, or heat, but, but let's take this winter, for example. Uh, then you have the issue about hospitals. Some hospitals have generators, some don't. But then you have all other kind of health care facilities. You have, uh, you know, older people who are using uh, devices like, uh, you know, uh, breathing apparatus that are that provide oxygen. So, so you know, it's, it's hard to know. We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call buryyourgold.com and what it does is it goes into a container you lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches it's a 50-year warranty on the device it only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground and you can keep it for safekeeping and i'll tell you this is the way to hide your gold not in false walls but underground will be very very difficult to detect to find out more Go to BarrierGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Did you know that the World Economic Forum now, they in the last meeting they convened, they actually had a water board there with water experts, and they tell us our water is in danger and they have to take control of our water. Does that bother anybody? I'm sure it does. And I begin thinking right now about water safety. And we already know there's lead in the water, chemicals in the water. A lot of it's not safe to drink. But we have the answer for you. It's called the Alexa Pure Pro Water Filter. It's the best there is. And scientifically, they leave nothing to doubt as they publish their research at waterwithdave.com. And it's my choice for water filtration. Gravity powered. It reduces 206 contaminants. It targets heavy metals, fluoride, chlorine, and viruses. It is the best there is in the business. And you can read all the research on this simply by going to water with dave.com that's water with dave.com save eighty dollars for a short time what the final ramifications are of being forced to either turn down your thermostat or be without heat or conversely to not be able to get medical care or, or not be able to buy food or so it's uh i mean it's something that the developed nations have not had to face in in the recent past. Now, you know, if you're in some of these countries in South America or in Africa where the power supply is un, unreliable, you know, they experience blackouts all the time. But, but for the developed nations in Europe and in the United States, this is going to be a new phenomenon. Well, they don't have the high-tech medicals prevalent in these third-world countries either. And and I don't know if there's going to be hospital exceptions. That's something I've asked that question of local government officials in Arizona where I permanently reside, and they don't have an answer for me. I, I, well, I, I, ta- I, can, give you, I can give you the answer that they won't give you. Go ahead. Let's compare. Uh, if you have, let's just say, for example, that <clears throat> there's an overload. I mean, the way electric power grids operate is they're interconnected 
you know, within the grid from the generating source to substations and transmission lines and, and various ways to convey the electricity. But they're also, inter- we have a western grid, an eastern grid, and you have the uh, Texas, uh, uh, I think it's ERCOT grid. But so what happens is, let's just say you're in Arizona, and you're in, you're in a part of Arizona, and there's a, uh, you know, there's a frequency drop in the area where you're in, and several substations trip out that supply electric power to a hospital. Uh, unless they have a backup generator, uh, they, they're, they're not going to get electricity because you don't, if you don't have the capacity, you can't draw down, uh, you can't bring down uh, a, 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 an adjacent power grid within a utility structure because they're all tied together. Uh, I mean, you can't you can't pull them down uh, to power uh, a particular grid that's gone down because of capacity problems. So they're not alternative. I mean, this is not a question of the utility deciding whether to send electrons to uh, the hospital in the city where you live. <laughs> that's not the issue. I mean, once once a portion of the grid goes down, you can't borrow electricity from another portion of the grid that's at full capacity without causing it to trip out. So this is this is not a selective decision where we say, well, we'll keep these hospitals running and we'll keep that. That's not the way it works. Yeah, it's, it's amazing because then you're looking at catastrophic failure across the board. And if hospitals lose power, people are going to die. It's that simple. And it just seems like uh, we're sacrificing society on the altar of the green climate cult group, which is just amazing to me. I wanted to ask you a sidebar question, though, and I don't want to go too far afield, but I'm wondering if it's related. Uh, President Biden hosted the president from France, and they had lobster and other fish. And the fishing industry in New England, particularly in Maine, is being destroyed by the Biden administration's EPA saying that they're endangering the whales. And everyone connected to marine research is saying that's not true, that they're not an endangered species, but these people are losing their livelihoods. And it's all in the name of saving the whale. Is this part of the same paradigm in your mind as climate change that uh, this environmentalism extends to people's livelihoods to the detriment of the population? Absolutely. One of you mentioned about sacrificing science on the altar of political opportunism. You know, the, one of the things in the, my book essentially addresses two aspects of this fraudulent global warm, man-made global warming hypothesis. The, the first three quarters of the book is I try to educate the reader on the fundamental sciences that affect the analysis of the subject, and that's thermodynamics, quantum mechanics, which, which deals with how, uh, Subatomic particles like electrons and protons and neutrons act in this, in this uh, fraudulent hypothesis. Then you have spectroscopy, which deals with the absorption and, and emission of electromagnetic radiation because it plays a role in the what CO2 does. And then finally, atmospheric physics. But then in the second, the last couple of chapters, I cover what are the ramifications of following a fraudulent hypothesis. And, you know, hypotheses in science have come and gone over the years. Ptolemy, uh, uh, who lived around one, uh, 1000 A.D., was an Egyptian mathematician astronomer who postulated that the solar system revolved around the Earth. And for 1,450 years, until... The, uh, you know, uh, Copernicus said, no, wait a minute, uh, the, the, the Earth and other planets revolve around the sun. That hypothesis held, but it, but it didn't harm anybody. 
But here we're talking about a situation where there's the kind of harm that we've described. And the problem is, is that when government or regulators use pseudoscience to try to enact legislation or regulations in the case of the EPA, uh, that effectively uh, uh, directly affect the lives of the populace like you and me, uh, our personal freedoms get eroded. And so, absolutely, this is all part and parcel of that. Just, just to continue that thought one minute, if I might. Suppose that I told you in December of 2019, Dave, in the next three months, state, local, and federal governments are going to enact edicts that will close schools, will determine certain businesses will uh, can open, can operate or not, and their hours of operation, will determine the uh, hours of operation of houses of worship, will determine how many people can assemble in public, will determine uh, whether or not you have to wear personal protective equipment and how far you have to stay from another individual. If I told you that was going to happen in the early months of 2020 uh, as a result of a of a existential crisis, i.e. the coronavirus pandemic, you would have said, guys, there's no way. The courts, you know, if the uh, 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 ACLU were to take any of that to court, the courts would never uphold it because all those freedoms are, are, are protected under the U.S. Constitution. Well... Suppose that I tell you, like Mr. Kerry and Mr. Biden have said, along with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and others, that climate change, well, it used to be global warming, but since there hadn't been global warming, now it's climate change. That climate change is an existential crisis. We're all going to burn up in 12 years. <laughs> well, then all of a sudden, you know, they decide that, like Gavin Newsom did in California, that you can no longer have an automobile that's powered by an internal combustion engine and you can no longer use uh, uh, natural gas or oil to heat your home or power your manufacturing facilities and so when pseudoscience which is false science is used to try to control the lives of individuals all of our personal freedoms get eroded yeah i couldn't agree with you more and the, the, it, it's they're using the excuse just to take control. I, you know, let me tell you how I view climate change. It's it's of course we should be good stewards of our environment, and uh, and and Biden promised in the campaign in 2020 we'll have a transition period between fossil fuels and alternative energy. Well, the uh, the grace period was one day when he canceled the Keystone Pipeline first day in office. So that wasn't true. And how I see this, it's a grab for power. Bring people and nations to their knees so you can control them. How do you see it? That's my personal paradigm. How do you see it? Well, first, let me address the issue because I, I think this is a fundamental importance for people to understand. Uh, Carbon dioxide does not cause global warming. The, the level of carbon dioxide concentration in the first eight kilometers of our atmosphere here on Earth, called the troposphere, does not cause global warming. And, and there are three national, well, there, 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 there are three worldwide temperature databases that track the temperature of the atmosphere, the troposphere, the landmass, and oceans. And for the first uh, first 20 years of, of accurate readings uh, regarding the temperature of the troposphere, it cooled every year. And, and this is microwave sounding uh, technology and satellites that polar, polar circumnavigate the globe, and they they read the temperature, if you will, of the uh, troposphere, and it cooled while the concentration of the CO2 in the atmosphere increased 30%. So that falsifies the hypothesis there. But I'll tell you what it's all about. It's all about money. 
If you want to understand global warming, follow the money. Because this recent climate conference in Sharm al-Sheikh, Egypt, where John Kerry and Al Gore were front and center, uh, concluded that the developed nations should pay reparations to the developing nations uh, to the tune of somewhere between four to six trillion dollars a year, and uh, it's just unimaginable to me that anybody would have the the guts to propose that, and that anybody would be gullible enough to to believe it, because there hadn't been global warming. Uh, you know, our emissions of China built three times the coal-fired power plants as the rest of the world combined in 2021. You think they're going to stop burning coal? <laughs> you yeah. think the Chinese atmosphere is connected to ours? So it's all about the money, Dave. What's going to happen is if, and it'll happen because President Biden already allocated some money to this, if money gets allocated to these uh, uh, investment projects, and I don't know why they're trying to lose emissions in developing nations when they don't. I mean, it's India and China and the U.S., but, but global investment firms, including Al Moore's firm, which he formed in London in 2004 with a partner from Goldman Sachs, hundreds of millions of dollars more from the financial transactions involving these green energy investments. That's what it's all about. It's all about the money. And the money gives you power. Exactly. I, I totally... Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, if, you're, if you're, you're a Joe Biden and you're promoting this, and I'm the chairman of BlackRock or Vanguard or Al Gore's firm, Generation Investment Management, I'm going to contribute to your campaign because <laughs> yeah. I want what you're prepared to give me. Well, I don't know if you're prepared to go into this, but you mentioned BlackRock, and they have these ESG ratings. And when I looked at them, I thought originally this was for rating companies on environmental friendliness and cooperation with the climate change movement. But then I see all this woke social agenda tied to it. Uh, you mentioned BlackRock. Do you want to comment on their role in in this uh, whole fiasco? Yeah, and, and I was reading an article the other day in the Wall Street Journal where, and this is one of the few times I would support government intervention in terms of regulation, but um, BlackRock and Vanguard, about six, BlackRock, at last I saw, manages about $13 trillion of assets, and Vanguard is around $7 million. They partnered up along with Bill Gates, Harvard Management Corporation, Al Gore's firm, to uh, uh, form a number of green energy funds that do various and sundry things for woke people that are rich and, and, and have a guilty conscience. And so, uh, you know, an important thing to understand is that BlackRock is one of the top three, or at least according to the Wall Street. The Common Sense Show is proud to be able to bring you some very special deals for MyPillow. For example, they've got half off MyPillow bed sheets, more than half off their slippers, their sandals, their mattresses, their topper covers, women's lingerie. Now, they have extremely great products, as you all know. Ladies and gentlemen, right now go to MyPillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. MyPillow.com backslash Hodges, coupon code Hodges. Journal. One of the top three owners of 80% of the S&P 500. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're in a position uh, to go to the CEOs of these companies and try to strong-arm them into, quote-unquote, decarbonizing. Now, they can't, if you're the, you know, if you're the, the CEO of GM, and you've got automotive plants that you've spent billions of dollars investing in property and equipment and the process design, you can't just turn it all around in, in order to eliminate. So what do you do? You buy carbon offsets 
if you emit 100 tons of, of CO2 a year, you buy carbon offsets for that. So it's 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 a it's a huge business, and the problem is is that President Biden signed an executive order on January the 27th of last year that was called the Climate Finance Plan. And I just recently read it in detail, and I'm writing an op-ed on it. It essentially directs every agency in the federal government, from the Treasury to the XM Bank to all these multilateral bank arrangements that fund projects around the world, to prioritize climate-related investments and to discriminate against fossil fuel. So, uh, you know, mobilizing the assets of the federal government in all their various forms, and and they encourage or or say that they're going, that, that they want these government agencies to work with private investors like BlackRock and Vanguard and Al Gore's firm and others, uh, in tandem to give them a piece of the action on these deals. So it's, uh, I mean, it the, the, the pervasive nature of this thing, ESG investments, the whole nine yards, it's just can't, can't be overestimated. Well, I, I have to tell you, that, Guy, that um, there is historical validation for where you're going with your argument, your application of the facts. And when the Gulf, quote, oil spill happened, unquote, um, President Obama had all his investments in Vanguard 1 and 2, the same Vanguard. And 19 nations had banned Corexit as a means to treat the oil because it merely pushes the oil down into the water column and destroys everything, including, you know, marine life. And 19 nations banned that. And originally, uh, the Department of Energy banned it, too. They said, no, you can't do that. You're not going to treat it that way. And Biden manipulated things, moved things around, and pretty soon we were spraying Corexit massively, and he benefited from it, probably to the tune we estimated of about $10 million. So environment be damned, profits emphasized. And that really goes to your point that you're making here. And this would have been in 2010. So, you know, we almost have 13 years of history behind this. And so, yeah, I, I can see exactly where you're going. I wanted to ask, too, about carbon offsets. Um, car- is carbon offset, in layman's terms, uh, a rich company's way of buying their way out of climate change rules? Sure, absolutely. Okay. And here's how it works. Um, <clears throat> let's say that you like to quail hunt in, around Albany, Georgia, just just above the gnat line, so the gnats don't bother you. And you go and you buy 10,000 acres of uh, pine plantation. And then you go out and you find one of these firms, and I mean, they're spreading like jackrabbits in the Texas desert. Uh, You go out and find a firm to certify that your 10,000 acres, just to make the math easy, uh, will absorb the equivalent of 10,000 tons of carbon dioxide. So now you have 10,000 offsets. Now, last time I looked, the market was around, and this is what the UN's proposed, around $75 a ton for those carbon offsets. So you go out and sell them to Al Gore. Gore says, oh, I'll pay you $50 a ton. So you sell them to him for a half million bucks, and then he takes the the 10,000 carbon offsets and sells them to uh, Amazon, who uh, wants to be carbon neutral for $75 a ton. He he pockets 25 bucks a ton. Amazon, they actually, I think, are moving to electric vehicles, but let's just say they don't change their operating practice. So they continue to, to emit the same carbon, but the, the theoretically what happens is their carbon dioxide floats down to the pine plantation in Albany, Georgia. 
that you own and gets absorbed by your pine trees. That's that's the concept behind carbon offsets. And by the way, the world's oceans, by far in a way, are the biggest carbon sink. So it's a uh, it's like snake oil salesmen, Dave. You know about how snake oil salesmen used to operate, yeah. don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Yeah, it, it, you're making a lot of sense. And did you um, trace the um, Chicago Climate Exchange with Valerie Jarrett and Barack Obama as the pioneers of this movement of carbon offsets? And then, you know, Obama, I'm sorry, I just said Biden, I meant Obama. Obama and Valerie Jarrett and Obama tried to carry that into his first term in presidency and the Senate shut him down. Um, and the climate, Chicago, the Chicago Climate Exchange went away. Was Obama just too far ahead of his time? Has there been time enough to buy off the Senate and the Congress so they'll agree to this nonsense? What's changed politically since 2009 when Obama couldn't get this through? Well, I think now, you know, you have a... uh, You have in the Democrat Party, and, and I don't know how much has been material change and how much has appeared... But now you have in the left wing of the Democrat Party a a very ardent, as you know, uh, uh, Green New Deal proponency. And what's been a mystery to me is the way that, that fossil fuel companies and oil companies in particular have rolled over on this issue. They're starting to take notice now. But they didn't fight this as aggressively as they should have with real science at the front end. So, you know, I, I, I give all the credit to John Kerry. Uh, and I think he's been coached by Al Gore, uh, who, for, you know, Al Gore was the lead uh, negotiator, if you will, in the establishment of the Kyoto Protocol that was that he signed back in 1998. President Clinton never sent it to the Senate for ratification. They, the Senate had passed a resolution saying they wouldn't do it. But what the Kyoto Protocol did was, for the first time in a climate treaty, establish the concept of carbon credits, which is what the UN gives nations to use or sell, and carbon offsets. And so in 2004, six years later, Al Gore and a partner, David Blood, from Goldman Sachs, opened Generation Investment Management in London and to trade alternative energy investments. And I don't know if if they specifically trade carbon offsets and credits. But uh, so, you know, now you have all the you have President Biden being held hostage by the left wing of the Democrat Party and. Republicans have been foolishly silent on this because it's not socially acceptable to say that one doesn't believe in climate change or global warming because you sound like you're immoral, and I point this out in my book just to a great extent. And so the, the people that should have opposed this back when it really started to gain momentum back in 1990 when the UN formed the Intergovernmental Panel for Climate Change should have listened to real scientists like Richard Linden, Linden, who is a a retired professor from MIT after 30 years as a Sloan professor of atmospheric physics, who said this is all hogwash. And they didn't do it. The oil companies didn't do it. The coal companies didn't do it. And now they're being hoisted on their own petard because they let this pseudoscience get out in front of them and, and it's an uphill battle to try to uh, to turn it around yeah <laughs> that's a really good historical description um, you know you mentioned something earlier I think and we glossed over it when they had the scandal with East Anglia University and Penn State and those emails got yeah. hacked and it revealed they were faking data about global warming is that what led to the name change to to climate change as opposed to global warming you know that's a great question that's a really great question and i've i've got an op-ed on my uh website www.globalwarmingdeception.com 
that addresses the very issue of when global warming became climate change because when John Cook and fellow scientists back in 2007, I think, came out with a pseudo-scientific survey where they they sent out 11,847 uh, survey requests to people that had published on, on, on uh, climate science. And out of those 11, and they asked them, do you believe man has caused global warming? And so they sent out 11,847 surveys, and 66% of them did not respond. <laughs> that, that is a response. 32% said they did, and 1% said they didn't know. So they divided 32 by 33, which was the total number of responses, came out with 97, and then said 97% of the world scientists believe man's cause. The next day, Barack Obama tweeted, 97% of the science, world scientists believe climate change it, uh, man has caused climate change and it's dangerous. Now, so I asked myself, well, was that an inadvertent error on the president's part or was it calculated? Here's the problem. Uh, Al Gore used the term global warming in his Inconvenient Truth book and movie, and many other proponents of the movement have as well. But the problem is, as I said a few minutes ago, if you look at the temperature databases of the atmosphere, the landmass, and the ocean, there's been no warming. I mean, uh, the, over 20, well, over 40 years now, the atmosphere has warmed about, you know, 0.45 degrees centigrade over a, a, a four or five decade period. And so the, 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 since the, the facts don't prove it, they move from global warming, which is, can be measured objectively, but I want to tell you about the East Anglia a minute, uh, to this climate change, which is hard to quantify. But here's the interesting thing, and, and, I, and I spend time on this in my book, the, the temperatures that are taken, they're, I said earlier, and I don't want to get into too much detail, but with regard to the landmass, the, the, the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, has what's called Metropolitan Surface Air Temperature Stations, MSATs. These things sit about two meters above the ground, which is roughly six feet, and they gather data. Now, obviously, they're not measuring surface temperature, and that data is corrupt. But, but anyway, they gather the data, but then it goes to a climate scientist and uh, or a, 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 you know a, an assistant. I'm sure it's not a PhD. But they take that data and they adjust it. They adjust it for day because all this data is being gathered by volunteers. And if you're one of the volunteers, it may be convenient for you to go to that MSAT station at 10 a.m. Or you may go by there at 2 p.m. the next day. So it has to be adjusted for the time of day reading. And they have graphs saying, well, it'll be so many degrees warmer at this time than that time based on historical readings. And then it gets adjusted for what's called homogeneity. And that means, well, how does this temperature measurement shake hands with one close by? Because if it doesn't, and it's an outlier, they'll adjust it. So the point is, all of this data has been adjusted. And interestingly, if you look at the graphs, and you can look at them on my website, and I've got them in my book, you'll see that this data has been adjusted out in the open uh, and has as much as a, as a 0.4 to 0.6 degree centigrade impact per decade on all these readings. So they the created global warning. Now, with respect to Climate Gate and the Had Crew, the, the Hadley Climate Research Unit in East Anglia, they were, they were caught red-handed manipulating the data uh, obfuscating the data, uh, uh, corrupting the data, and they, other than getting their hands slapped, not a lot happened. And 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 I and I 
have a very extensive review of this process in my book by a guy named David. I think his name's McLean, but he his, he did his PhD on this at uh, one of the universities in Australia. He he audited the the had crew the uh, uh, the climate East Anglia data, and he found error after error after error in the readings. And you know what the uh, had crew folks had to say about it? Well. We'll take a hard look at this, and if there's been a problem, we'll correct it the next time we do a data review. Yeah, that's not science. Um, I, you know, this is a point of reference here. I used to teach research and stat both at the college and university level, both graduate and postgraduate. So I know a little bit about what I'm talking about, and I have scoured the Internet for proof of climate change. Um, and 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 the, I've looked at cross-sectional, longitudinal, and, and I have to tell you, guy, the science and the data is not there. It's conspicuously there. missing. I mean, if you have something, you're making a claim that you're going to transform Western society based on a concept, you should have irrefutable long-term and short-term proof, and they don't have any of it. it they don't even approach I'll put it this way. They wouldn't have got out of my midterm exam with what they're doing. Well, it's unbelievable, Dave. And here's the thing. You know, a guy named Steve Coonan wrote a book, came out about six months or maybe eight months before mine did, and it's called Unsettled. And Steve Coonan is a highly credentialed academic, worked in the Obama administration, the Caltech guy, and he essentially refuted every empirical claim by... The, uh, the proponents of the fraudulent global warming hypothesis in his book about more severe weather, weather more droughts, more floods, more, you know, all the, the empirical measures. Now, I attack the science, but what Coonan didn't do, because he's kind of part of the establishment and couldn't, but he didn't say that the science is bogus and corrupt. But I say that it is, and, and, I, and I think I can prove that uh, well, I don't think I can. I, I, I believe I proved that that the reliance on on some uh, of the laws of physics, like the Stefan Boltzmann law, uh, to try to back calculate the impact of downwelling heat flux from CO2, is not legitimate. But the point is, there is no science to back it up. But it's 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 become uh, uh, it has the fervor of a religious movement. And you have, and politicians have co-opted in order to buy off their green parties in Europe and the environmental constituency here. And the, here's the problem. What they don't understand, it's one thing to sell some, you know, third, fourth generation trust fund uh, recipient uh, an ESG investment so they can feel good about it, talking about it at a cocktail party. It's another thing to reconfigure the power grid based on this fraudulent hypothesis. Exactly. And you start putting in asynchronous generators like wind and solar into a power grid system. I mean, forget about the fact that there's it's problematic when there's cloud cover obscuring sunlight going to solar voltaic cells or the wind doesn't blow. But there are technical issues regarding trying to integrate wind and solar generators into a power grid that, by the very nature of it, uh, whether it has to do with inertia or reactive power or, you know, um, other issues, make the grid much less reliable. And, And the problem is... I mean, and these and, and these are the result of studies that are ongoing now. So we don't know what we don't know, but we have all these, you know, these and the, the the proponents of the global warming hypothesis pushing us into replacing, uh, you know, synchronous generators like coal-fired power plants and nuclear plants and hydroelectric, replacing them with these uh, alternative energy investments, and we won't know what we don't know until there's a problem five years from now. Exactly, and by then the damage is done, no question. I mean, you know, look at Europe. Germany shut down this last coal-fired power plant in 2018. 
And so they shut the last mine down or at coal mine at the same time. The EU abandoned 79 billion metric tons of domestic coal reserves to buy cheap Russian gas from Vladimir Putin. He And so when he cut it off, they'd shut all these power plant, coal-fired power plants down. They have no alternative. They've got to pay whatever the market price is for natural gas, which yep. does cause it emits carbon dioxide as a byproduct to combust. So, the, I mean, it's just... It, it the the thinking is highly flawed. It's like Prince Harry and his wife, who are proponents of this uh, pseudoscience, getting on jets to go to conferences. I I, I know it's crazy. Yeah. I, I have one more question, and I want to talk about your book. Uh, okay. And, and just kind of briefly here, I'm seeing a lot of intergovernmental cooperation on this, from the G7 to the G20 to the United Nations. Um, that tells me there has to be a centralized international group that's basically controlling ideology since this is uh, multinational. Uh, what do you know about that? Yeah, you know, I, I, I have no direct evidence that I could give you other than the fact that, I, you know, if you ask me what John Kerry does, other than fly around on a private plane that emits carbon dioxide, um, I would tell you I don't know. He's our climate envoy, and so I'm assuming he's traveling around the world, particularly within the G7, and trying to coordinate all these activities. And so you say, well, why would he do that? Is he just, you know, is he full of altruism and is worried about the planet and wants to save man from global warming? Well, I guess that might be a possibility. But there also might be a financial incentive in there. Now, we know, and I can't give you any proof on that. Now, we know the financial incentive for global investment firms, and global investment firms are global, and they have offices in France. They have offices in the U.K., they have offices in Germany. They have offices in Poland. I mean, they, so can they influence the direction of these governments to try to pursue alternative energy uh, investments? I would think so. And so, you know, I, I can't tell you that I know that, okay. you know, these people are meeting in, 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 in uh, you know, uh, Bern or Paris or Berlin, but it does seem like everybody's falling in lockstep. No, they are. They are. Yeah, we're almost out of time. And and, uh, and I'll tell you this. My vote, though, for the centralized organization of this is the U.N., and they farm it out to groups like the World Economic Forum that trains global leaders. That would be my guess. And and I've got some linkages, but I don't know if you have enough linkages to form a conclusion. But, but it's clearly a centralized international body that has to be directing this multinational cooperation. Your book, um, very interesting. Um, and here my screen just went dark on this. Um, but I believe it's available on Amazon and Kindle. Is that correct? Yeah, it was published in January of this year. The title is Global Warming, the Great Deception, the Triumph of Dollars in Politics over Science and Why You Should Care. And you can purchase it in either ebook form, paperback, or hardcover, or you can go to my website, globalwarmingdeception.com, and purchase it through the website as well. And you can look at a lot of other information I've posted on facts, refuting the global warming hypothesis. I posted scientific research that does the same thing, and there are a lot of op-ed articles that I've written about the subjects we've discussed today. Yeah, exactly. But people who are listening now, and you were climate change proponents, and you think, maybe I have a little doubt now, let me suggest you read this book. And so, again, it's available on Amazon, and we'll post this on the website in a few days uh, when we file around to our newsletter. Uh, Guy, it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, this was a most, most important interview because this 
nonsense is what's destroying our country. It's the central theme behind it. But I want to thank you for exposing this. And uh, keep up the good work, and we'll have you back as uh, incidents uh, warrant. Thank you, Dave. It's been a pleasure being with you. Thank you. We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee.